selfishly, I was super excited to chat with you because I'm like, all right, I get to talk to someone who's been through the ring with five kids. Uh, all right, surely, surely I can make it through two, right? Welcome to the Location Indie Podcast, the behind-the-scenes, unfiltered, no-holds-barred look at the realities of the location independent lifestyle. From myself and a bunch of friends now, I get to bring on really fun people who are leading this lifestyle. I'm Trav, and uh, right now I only have two kids, and they're younger, but I get to look into the future a little bit. Although I don't know if five is in my future, Craig. I might be a stretch, but I get to look into the future a little bit with my buddy Craig from Freelance U as we talk about this idea of seasons of life. And Craig, you've been through quite a few. So thank you for joining me. And again, selfishly, I'm like, all right, what can I glean here that's going to make the next 10, 15 years a little easier? So welcome and thanks for joining me. Yeah, great to be with you, Trav, always. I, uh, I, I got right to the chase there. One of the most impressive things from my vantage point of what you and your wife have been able to build over at Freelance U is the fact that you've done it, you know, over the last 10, 15 years with kids, with five kids, obviously growing up various ages, you know, throughout all of that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I want to kind of, why don't we start with that of this idea that you've gone through quite a few seasons of life as an entrepreneur, as a dad, as a father. Mm -hmm. Um, what has that been like? Like, can you, can you kind of look back now and say, Hmm, there were a few moments that kind of shifted maybe in a macro sense where we were at. Yeah. So just going back a bit in our journey, I mean, we, we, we launched our, so I started online in 2003. So I'm really dating myself here. I'm almost in 20 years into this online space. And I don't even know what I would do as a job, even if I tried to end, exit it at some point, it just, I don't think the, I don't think there's anything I would be qualified for uh, at this point. Cause I've been doing this for so long. And then my wife and I, you know, worked with a company back in the day online. And then we decided to launch our own venture in 2008. And all during that time, our kids were in toddler phase. And so we had, you know, we were doing webinars where one one parent was going to, you know, rescue a child that was stuck on the on the potty, you know, like crazy. We had a number of crazy stories trying to run a professional operation while you got kids, you know, <laughs> in the background and things like that. And it, it was interesting. We we had to put some systems in place. It wasn't mass chaos. It had to be pretty organized. Like early on, when my kids were like three, four, five, we had a little uh, blue thing that went on the door. So when the blue thing was on the door, they couldn't knock on the door. It was like classic conditioning for like a dog, right? It's like when you see the blue sign on the door, you can't knock on the door. You can't even go in the vicinity of the, of the door because that's when a live webinar or back in the day, it was a teleseminar was happening. And so, so we had to put sort of, you know, sort of... Um, practices in place in order to uh, get stuff done, even when our kids were were in that nap schedule when they're young. I mean, Kelly and I were not chilling at that point. We were like in serious work hustle mode. It was like, okay, we've got 
87 minutes till the next child stirs. And so let's go. It's go time. There's no grab a coffee. Let's, 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 let's do this. And so, so we created our work schedule really around the, the life that we wanted to craft with our kids. We didn't want to work nine to five and we wanted to be there to take them to the park at two in the afternoon, if that afforded us, but that meant you know, late nights, uh, you know, we would sometimes get less sleep than the average person because we had to get stuff done when the kids were in bed. So, so it was, it, it, I wouldn't say it wasn't challenging, but it was incredibly rewarding that I just, I was, I was a parent that was always available for my kids. Like they wouldn't have said they wouldn't have go, they wouldn't be in a therapy office, you know, or there some therapists, you know, years from now saying my dad was never there. He was a workaholic. He just, you know, they might say my parents were were, they were there too much. Like I just couldn't get away from them. They just, now I'm too attached to them. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. Did you find, I, you know, cause I, it's just so fascinating to me, your entrepreneurial journey. I mean, you started when kids, when they were toddlers, I mean, two incredibly hard things to do on their own, right? Parent of young kids really going out on your own and starting uh, something from scratch. Did you happen, like, was there any points where you sat there and you're like, okay, one of these has kind of, I don't want to say become easy, because again, you mentioned it wasn't easy, but like became simpler because something else happened in life. Like, hey, I, 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 and I don't even know a good example, but like, hey, our kids are now in kindergarten or elementary school, so now we've got more time or whatever, like, did it, was there ever kind of in lockstep stuff happening in your entrepreneurial journey with then maybe the parenting journey? Yeah, I think, you know, the, you know, the entrepreneurial journey and the parenting journey, you can't exactly compare it. I mean, it's too, it's like apples and oranges a bit, but they both require a level of like persistence and patience and like, and, and being able to like deal with like the hiccups and challenges of life. So I found like, if there was a parallel for us, I mean, we, we went through major challenges in our business. In fact, our first startup failed miserably. Um, I don't like to talk much about that story, uh, but uh, you know, still there's still trauma from it. But, but it was like, but all that we learned there was the pathway to launching Freelance University. If we didn't do it, we wouldn't have had the framework and even the the ideas that actually led to the university, which has gone really well for us. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the same thing with parenting. I mean, I think we, we went through challenging, you know, challenges as parents, we actually uh, adopted two of our, our kids, you know, so we have three biological and two, two, uh, ones that were uh, biological sisters that we adopted through the foster system. And that was an incredible challenge. We thought business was hard. And then we're like, okay, this is really hard trying to integrate, people that have come from a, a trauma background and, and some difficulties into a, into a house. And we thought, well, you know, love's just going to be enough and we'll just take care of it. And that, that clearly uh, early on was not the case. And so, so I think all of those things, you know, we've, we've strengthened that, that muscle that uh, I guess, you know, whether you, whether you want to call it the persistence muscle or the, um, the muscle that allows you to stick to things, even though they're hard. And I think what we experience as parents uh, as adoptive parents and what we experience as entrepreneurs um, have made us such better entrepreneurs today. So when we run into like, let's say our payment system goes down before our launch. Well, back in the early day, I would be freaking out and, and you know, having a, a pity party. But now it's like, okay, our, our system's gone down. Let's, uh, we've been through a lot of stuff. We, we got the right people in place. Let's troubleshoot this. Let's, and so I, 
I'm much better at handling adversity in the business than I was years ago. And it's because of all the things that I share. Mm. When you talk, we don't have to bring up the failed startup too much. I, I don't, I don't want it, uh, <laughs> you to get too, too upset here on the podcast, but that was obviously a season, right? And then, and then that led to this new season, like you said, much more successful, has brought you uh, a ton of the freedoms that, that, you, that you want in life. Yeah. When that one failed, was it, who put an end to that season? How did that season end? Because I think a lot of times what people struggle with is closing a chapter. And I know, I know sometimes I do, like I, I struggle with this big time, when even, even as something as, I, wanna, I don't want to downplay, but as simple as moving back after being nomadic, when we move back, mm-hmm. I've told this story a lot, so I'll just brush over it really quickly here. You know, I, my identity was like a traveler. And then we, yeah. Heather was like, well, we're moving back to this house. And I was like, no, we can't, you know, and then gave me the ultimatum of like, well, I'm going to, so you can do that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and then within a couple of days, I realized it was the right decision and all that. But it was, it was me not realizing a new season had to start. And I've seen that happen in my life quite a few times where maybe I'm, the, I'm not as aware sometimes of when a new season should be starting. What did that look like for you? Because that's a, you know, to put a pin in something and, and to say like, okay, this is done. I'm mm-hmm. moving on. That can be a very difficult thing for people. Yeah, this is a big topic because, you know, we have this idea sometimes like, you know, in our character that we shouldn't quit. Like you don't, don't give up. You know, you, you can listen to a lot of podcasts, motivational speakers that say, just bear down, don't give up, don't be a quitter. But then we realized that we needed to quit that startup. You know, it was actually like, there's the difference between like having tenacity and persistence and then balancing that with really good wisdom and listening to people and saying, no, I'm not going to quit as an entrepreneur, but I will quit this endeavor because it will inevitably bury my family. And it's, and it's, and we will just end up putting a lot of money into something that's not going to go anywhere. So, so it was kind of that, I, it was actually that tension between you don't want to quit. Don't give up on this. You got this to the point saying, but is this the best decision? Could you do something different? Is there a wiser path? And so, so that led us out of that very difficult moment in our lives of, of losing that business, we had the fork in the road, um, you know, and for you, you had that fork of like, do I remain a digital nomad while raising a young family or do I move home? Uh, you know, that, you know, and the, the pros and cons of both, we had that fork in the road of saying, do I go get a real job? Because I had skills. I'm actually a professional counselor by trade. I can go get work. Um, or do I consider uh, do I can do I continue doing the entrepreneurial things that I know that I love the most and that's that I most identify I'm more identify with being an entrepreneur than an employee and so I would have to totally go back on what I felt like I was and that I had become and uh, I chose the entrepreneurial path and I'm cl- I'm glad that I did but it was we had to quit something and then we had to make a decision um, between two paths and we chose to stay the entrepreneurial path and those that are tuning into this, that doesn't necessarily mean that was the easiest path. I mean, we had to go from doing a startup that spent hours and hours on the startup that completely failed to starting something new. Now we built upon the existing idea a little bit, but it was still a new entity, a new website needed to be launched, a new marketing plan needed to be rolled out. Um, But uh, we both, my wife and I had to be totally in and we were. If one of us said we're out, if Kelly said, I can't do this again, I would have gotten a real job. But she says, Craig, I'm not wired for real employment. You know that. Let's uh, let's dig in and, and do this. And so that's where we, for us, that was the right decision. Yeah. What gave you, 
I, I, I mean, looking back, it's like, okay, Kelly said this, we were going to, we were, you know, real employment wasn't for us that, and, and, you know, and it all sounds great and it is true, right? It's all true, but it's also easier to say after now you've come on the other side and had it successful. I mean, what do you think it was in that moment that really just pulled you through to continue down the entrepreneurial route? Because I think there's people listening who either they've started stuff and it hasn't worked. They've started it and it's worked eh, okay, but they're just milling through, or they haven't even, or, or they've just had in their head ideas, but they've never acted on. So they're saying like, well, that's, I'm not Craig. I'm not wired like an entrepreneur. You know, we can all talk ourselves into any narrative we want, right? So you could have very easily talked yourself into the narrative of, oh yeah, I, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I'm just not because of whatever, fill in any reason you want, but you didn't, both you and Kelly didn't. Was there something there? Was there like other people involved, external factors, or was it just you two banding together and just being hyper aware of the fact that you needed to do this because this is who you were? Yeah. I mean, to be hundred percent honest with you. So my, just to back up a little bit, my, my wife comes from a pure serial entrepreneurial family. Both parents are business owners, very successful brother-in-law uh, is the one we worked with initially uh, in the online game. He started during the dot-com boom very entrepreneurial. Kelly's very entrepreneurial as well. And so, so for her, the idea of like continuing on in the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial journey just made sense. Mm. For me, I come from the complete opposite. My mom was a school teacher. My dad worked in a, a, a government position in management for years. The idea of us starting a business was a foreign concept to them. And so, so to be honest with you, I think the encouragement of my wife and her family of saying, you know what, you have a great plan here. You got great ideas. Don't give up on this. Like this is like they really believed in free enterprise and like you know being in charge of your own destiny. And that that's kind of was the 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 voices that were being you know kind of that that was the influence uh, on me at that point. If somebody had come along and said, Craig, this is irresponsible. You got young kids. Go get a real job that has benefits. And has holidays. I mean, that's what a responsible person does. But that wasn't the voices that were around me. They were saying, yeah, we got to be wise about this. And there has to be, you only have a certain runway with your finances. You can't do this forever because you got to take care of your family. But this is your time. You're young. Uh, you could always go get a job if you need to pursue this. And so it was the encouragement of others as opposed to probably, I mean, obviously I had a desire to be an entrepreneur, but it didn't come naturally for me. I needed a little bit of prodding and pushing and, uh, you know, encouragement. I think that's one of the biggest benefits to surrounding yourself with other people who are entrepreneurial and who have done it is that a failure doesn't mean a failure to them, right? Because they've all failed. Like every single person who started anything has failed at something before that thing. And so it makes a lot of sense when I hear that, like, well, Kelly's family, they're entrepreneurial. Kelly's entrepreneurial. Like, okay, this is just your first shot. Well, yeah, it's kind of, it's almost like, yeah, well, we, you know, we, at some point we expected you to fail here. So you did cool. It's out of the way. Let's not just throw caution in the wind, but let's keep moving on. And I think that's the difference between when people get around others who have done it or are trying to do it versus people in their quote unquote real life. Now, your real life people happen to be entrepreneurs. But if we're talking about people who might be in a similar situation that you were personally in with your parents having regular jobs, my parents having regular jobs, right? Where it is this idea that 
okay, you gave it a shot. Good job. <laughs> Congrats. Like you, you, that was cool that you tried it, but now back to this. And they were like, well, no, there's no turning back. You already paid your dues, Craig. Come on. <laughs> like you got the hard part out of yeah. the way. I think that's why it's so important. Why you have your community, like location Indian, why we have freelance universities, because that's what we often hear. People will come to our community and they'll say, I've never been around people that thought this way or that thought entrepreneurial. My husband or my spouse, they don't even know what I do, or even they're not even clear on what it means to be a freelancer. But now I'm surrounded by these people that are saying, you know, you can do this. I've done it. Let me share my experience with you. And, and that's where, uh, as much as we are a learning community, we have courses, you know, a big part of the reason people stay is because they want that. They're like, okay, I'm going to hit discouragement and road bumps and all sorts of things along the way. But if I can be kind of aligning myself with people that get it, understand what I'm doing, can encourage me, challenge me, I can get into masterminds with, then, you know, then that will inevitably help me continue. And I think a lot of people don't have that. And if I, and if I didn't have that, you and I probably wouldn't be talking today. I'd probably be, yeah. you know, counseling or working in some other profession. So I think one thing I wanted to add as well, uh, people will often ask on other interviews that I've done is, you know, would you have continued doing full-time entrepreneurship after the fail or would you have gone and would it have been better to get a job and continue it as a side hustle? And that may be the right decision for some of you where you are starting uh, as a side hustle. Cause, and I know you talk a lot about the side hustle of, you know, having some income, whether it's freelance income or, or regular employment income that's coming in while you're starting your side hustle. Now you have to be very organized and yep. use your time well, because you're doing two different things. Uh, for us, we had a little bit of a runway financially to be able to do it. If I didn't, just uh, just so all of you don't think I was just throwing caution to the wind, uh, there is wisdom. Like you have to make sure you have a budget that will give you a period of time to launch this, or you got to supplement it with some sort of income. And that and that's what freelancing has done for me as well. I mean, I've I have picked up freelance gigs along the way early on when I needed to make some money uh, while I was building it. So so kind of both an end. Important, important point there because we wrap our identities usually. And I told you my story of like, I'm either this or this, right? We always see it like, I'm either a traveler or I have a home. And it's like, yes. well, no, and, and no one told me that. That was internal. Hey, I'm either, I'm either a traveler and that means I'm out on the road or I have a home. It's like, you can be both and you will be both. And Maybe, you know, if, if we're on a continuum, you start leaning towards one a little bit and then you swing back to the other. This is the idea of seasons of life, right? You know, so many people are like, oh, I'm either an entrepreneur, I'm making a go of it, or I'm working a full-time job. It's like, mm -hmm. if you need, as Craig mentioned, to, to supplement the income, we'll find a full-time job or a part-time job or whatever it be that, that takes some of the financial stress off of your side hustle working right away, but allows you the time to be able to do it as well. Right. And so I've had plenty of people come through our programs, Craig, who like, this was never the intention when they come through Lifestyle Launch Academy of like, but they went, you know, the, the idea is you build a side hustle and then you use that to transition out of your, the job that you're in. Right. That's, that's the pathway for most yeah. people. We've had a ton of people come in and in the interim change jobs. Like that was never my plan. I never thought that happened. People be like, Oh, I'm in this full-time job and I just uh, got another job offer full-time job. They'll give me way more time freedom or now I can work remote or whatever it is. I'm just going to take that. And now my side hustle can burgeon because of that. And I'm like, 
yeah, like, again, not our intention when we first thought of what someone's success path will look like, but it's like, that's the type of steps that people take in order to get to, you know, the ultimate goal, which for us, you know, is this triangle of freedom, time, location, and financial freedom for you. So I just wanted to hammer that home to people because you, you made a great point, Craig. It, it's not either or. It, it very rarely is either or, right? Um, and you're either this or that. But for you, as you've kind of built this entrepreneurial um, machine and you've, and, you've kind of, and you've had these successes and then you've also, your, your family has grown, what have you seen as different seasons that have cropped up for you? What, what do those look like? Mm. Yeah. You, you, are you talking more from a sort of a business standpoint or just life in general or? Yeah, either or I'm kind of just from a lifestyle standpoint, right? Like, have you gone through different seasons of that of like, I'm the founder and I'm the one doing all the work to, you know, then maybe pulling back some, I'd love to kind of, I, I think they're intertwined, right? The business and the lifestyle kind of work together because at some points, you know, one allows the other. Yeah. Great point. You know, when we started out, so Kelly and I were a company of two um, and we were a company of two for a long time. I was more on the learning and marketing side. She was on the support and, you know, finances instead of business, uh, business uh, management. And, and for a long time that worked. I mean, we had to, we set our own schedule. We worked around our kids. We, we homeschooled uh, a bunch of the kids for a time. So that was another dynamic, another season that we had to, to navigate that a lot of you may have navigated during the pandemic uh, for, and maybe some of you are still doing it. You liked it enough to stick with it. Uh, but we had to go through, we had to go through those early seasons uh, for sure, for sure in our business. And then, you know, I think for us, we we got to a place where you know you get your business to a certain revenue level where you have to be willing to bring other people on if you're going to either scale or you're going to uh, enjoy the lifestyle you want because the reality is as our business grew it grew in complexity we had more students which we, means we had more support uh, a bigger community, which means we needed to support that community. Uh, there were more uh, credit card issues because we had more credit cards we were billing. And so so all of those things led to say, okay, are we just going to work more and keep as a company of two, which means we're making more profits? Or are we going to bring somebody on that will help us to scale? And and we did. We inevitably uh, added a, a number of community managers. So that was the first step. First step is to have some mentors coming in and supporting our community. And so we went through that season where I actually pulled back from the community so that I could focus more on learning and development. I was creating more courses at a much rapid rate. Our university was growing. Uh, Kelly was able to focus on things. And then over time, we recognized that people were starting to say, well, at least for me, they're like, where's Craig? <laughs> you know, because he, I was so interconnected with the business, like, and people would see Kelly and I as a face. And I recognized after a while that I had removed myself too far from the community. So, so to be honest with you, we're now our, our new season is that we streamlined our mentorship team um, because we felt like we needed to have a better presence in the community that had to be a role of, uh, of the founders, at least in our business. And so, so yeah, so we certainly, in order to grow, we added people in order to build the business we wanted. We added people in order to, 
you know, get back to the business that we created in the first place. We streamlined, streamlined, uh, and, and that meant let a couple of people go, uh, just in the last few months. And that was really hard because we had people with us that were for, there for five years and they weren't leaving for, uh, performance issues. Uh, they were leaving because we changed our business model and we changed how Kelly and we changed how we as founders would, would, would manage this community. And so, so yeah, lots of, uh, I could talk a lot about that, but those were some of the, I guess, seasonal shifts we dealt with from a, from a business standpoint. What did that lead to for your lifestyle? Because one of the things, I, I mean, I just get this calming presence from you every time we talk. Like He's got five <laughs> kids. I didn't even know two were adopted, but dealing with that yeah. whole situation as well, you know, building this business, but you always seem to be mellow. <laughs> like you always seem to be like, yeah, and I know, of course, obviously not saying you don't deal with struggles. Everyone does, but yeah. you seem to have a pretty grounded sense of things. Mm-hmm. Were there points or things that you've done over the last 10, 12 years that has like allowed you to enter seasons of life that maybe are more mellow or, or are more grounded than other times. Cause I know that for me personally, there are times where I'm like, this is chaos. Like <laughs> this is chaos. How am I even keeping this boat afloat? Right. And then there's other times like, Oh, this is working pretty well. Like, and you feel like you got it. So has that happened throughout uh, your journey and have there been things that you've done that have maybe righted the ship quicker than previous times. Yeah, yeah, good, good comment, good question. You know, like I said early on, when the kids were young, uh, their schedules were they're much more dependent. I mean, they're still dependent on us as twenty year olds, but it's it's a different level of dependence. Uh, I I say to myself now, I'm more of my daughter's coach. Uh, she's getting a lot of intensive coaching from me as opposed to like uh, teaching and parenting in the early years. Uh, and so when our kids got older, we did start to homeschool, but uh, we had structured their homeschooling uh, in the morning. And so we knew that sort of between just like we do work hustles, we taught them to do work hustles. So it was like between nine and 12 school is going to get done. You know, it's not, we're not going to stretch this out to like a 8.30 to 3.30 kind of day. You're going to have the afternoon to do activities, uh, to do your own thing, but that's when uh, we're going to work. And and in fairness, my wife was the full-time teacher and I was sort of like a, the, the helper role. So I did, <laughs> I, I, I did manage to get a little work done in the morning as well. Um, but but she was, and if you, if you were to talk to her, because she's probably even better to talk to around this topic, is that she was incredibly good with how she used her time. And so, uh, so again, the afternoons, she would time block everything. She would, she would map out the things that she needed to get done. She was very task oriented. So, so we've always, you know, there's that whole cliche, work smarter than harder, but it actually became uh, adopted into our world. Like, so to the point where we're not, Kelly and I are both not type A type personalities at all. Like we do work hard, but not for, for working, for, for working sake. We only work hard to accomplish whatever results we need to achieve in our business. But by being able to be very organized and use your time well, we actually could run the business in much less hours. Not like a Tim Ferriss, four hours a, a week. I don't even know if that exists. Not, not, no offense to Tim, but, but uh, you know, we've streamlined our business a lot and, and we wanted to get it down to something where it would be like about five hours a day. You know, where you you work Monday to Friday, you put in about 25, maybe 30 hours during launches, because I know you do launches like we do. That's a whole different kettle of fish. Sure. When a launch goes on, we tell the kids, 
we're in a launch blue door, um, right? Blue thing for, for seven days. Don't come. Yeah. Like is, it, you'll find this funny as somebody that does launches. So when we, when our kids got, our kids are fully indoctrinated into the online world. So they would be, they're like, their friends wanted to come over. They're like, you guys can't come over. My parents are in a launch. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, what are you talking about? Are they going to the moon? No, they're, they're launching their, their university. What, how, what are you, what are you talking about? And so, but that was, we had to teach those things to our kids so that they recognize during those three weeks, mom and dad are going to have bags under our eyes. We're going to be working really hard. This is our busiest time, but it's also the, the biggest revenue part of our business is in, as you know, in the, in those, those short weeks. And so, so, but in and around that Trav, it was really, uh, a pretty nice schedule where it, you know, you, we, we didn't feel that we needed to work more than about five hours a day. Um, and that might be a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours in the afternoon, maybe something at night. Uh, and so that we've really had that routine for many years now. Um, even as the kids have gotten older, because, uh, when they leave, that doesn't mean suddenly, no, now I'm going to work eight hours a day. I, I, there's so many other great things I'd love to fill my time with. So, so that's kind of been our routine. Have you felt that pull at all? Or was there ever a case could, where as you maybe got more time, like the ability to have more time to work because the kids did get older and became more self-sufficient, did you ever feel yourself getting kind of pulled into that mindset of, of I don't know, what, what, grinding like more than you might if you didn't have the time? No, I think... The biggest thing for us is I have, uh, in terms of our entrepreneurial dreams, there's another dream that I'm in the process of pursuing, and that's outside of uh, Freelance University. It's, I like it this. Has, that's it hasn't is. been it hasn't been launched yet, but uh, it was something that I started in 2014 and I put on hold because of family reasons. Uh, Kelly actually went through some health issues back then at that time, and uh, we had recently adopted our children, and so. That was a time where it was like, this might be a dream of yours, but it's not necessarily the best for the family. And so talk, talk about seasons of life. That was mm. actually a business. We did a launch on it and did really well on it. Like it actually was potentially going to overtake the revenues that we made on this side, but it would require me to hustle at a high level and be running two, two entities, two businesses. And uh, it, it, the timing around what was going on in our family and even what Kelly was dealing with from a health standpoint wouldn't have been sustainable. So it, it sat, it has sat for, for about eight years. Um, and so now it's uh, just to have a designer putting the final, uh, final touches on our sites and getting that launched. So, so yes, we, as our kids have gotten older and as the, the touch points are less, they're more independent. I believe they're more independent. Uh, you know, we, we are sort of opening up our entrepreneurial pursuits and other people might do different things. They may volunteer more, or they may travel more, or they may do other types of hobbies. But for us, we're, uh, we have other business pursuits that we want to take on. What does it look like in the future? I mean, one of these things is this other business pursuit that you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. What do you envision though, for a season when like, let's say all, let's say all the kids are out of the house. I, I don't I forget how old the youngest one is. Uh, 13. So okay, a couple so, more years. <laughs> yeah. Let's say seven years from now, right. Another seven, eight years. Most yeah. people are pretty self-sufficient. Yeah. You know, maybe someone's living with mom and dad here or there. No yeah. shame there. I've been there. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but, but essentially they're kind of off. Do you have a, a vision of five or 10 or 15 years of what other seasons might look like? And, 
And does that include, you know, like maybe living somewhere different or not? Like, I, I'm just wondering where, <laughs> yeah, Craig and Kelly are five, 10, 15 years from now. Yeah, great question. We, uh, and I don't know if I told you this in a previous talk that we did, but uh, we spent some time in Thailand. We lived in Chiang Mai for a little while. My uh, brother-in-law and his family lived there for a number of years. And so we spent some time with them. We spent some time in a couple other places uh, and, and loved it. And that was when the kids were really young. Uh, before they got maybe into that school teenage age where there's lots of activities and they're in like their soccer practice or swimming or whatever it is. And so we love that stage where we could travel when they're younger. And this, and there was a myth back then that you can't travel with young kids. Like you, sh you should be doing something more responsible. And, and we never, I never prescribe, prescribe to that. I feel like when the kids are young, I feel like they're more pliable. Like they mm -hmm. go with you. Um, when they're 13 or 14, they're less pliable because they may have friend groups that have been established. They may have uh, other things that you will be pulling them out of. And so, so that's kind of, you look at our stages. We traveled a lot when they were five and under. Uh, when we adopted our other two and, and got into that teenage cycle, we traveled less. And now we're kind of looking in the next stage, like you asked, you know, we will be traveling a lot more again. We have daughters that are in college. So we'll be visiting them in, in different places. Two daughter, another one's going to college in the States again next year. Um, and then uh, we have family that live in Medellin in Colombia. And so that is probably our next biggest destination move, not a permanent because we will always have our home base here because that's where family and connections are, but, but where we will spend uh, part of the year is, is in Medellin. And so that's, but that's the, the initial plan. And, and for us, we're kind of looking at it like a five-year plan. We recognize our kids are going through college over the next five years. They're going to still need lots of funding and all those things. And so, so it's not the time to say, I'm going to sell it all and just, you know, just, just travel and live in a, in a, in a different economy where it's much cheaper than living in the U S and Canada. No, this is actually a time where we do need to generate uh, a max amount of revenues because there's lots of financial needs for, for our kids and for our future. But then after that, it could look entirely different. So that's, so we're looking forward to traveling. You know, we didn't travel a lot, obviously during the pandemic. So our big trip over the last, uh, you know, into, you know, the U S and into, we were into Hawaii over the last couple of weeks, that was cool. So that kind of got us excited for traveling a lot more this year. So. Mm. You you also seem really good at being able, and this is not my forte, but at being able to, put a dream, like you mentioned, the, the other business one that you're about ready to launch again, and we'll be super excited to hear more about that when, when that happens. Put it on hold for reasons, like you mentioned, that were, I mean, it was in your control, but there are, re there are external factors that made it not the right time to do that. Similarly, hey, we didn't live abroad and travel as much when our kids were these ages because it was just going to put too much stress, strain on the family, you know, it wasn't right for them, what have you. How have you, or what, what advice, maybe, maybe this is uh, counselor mode here, Craig, uh, yes. what advice would you give someone who's like, I want to do this. I'm excited. I got to go now. How can people maybe take something that they want to do and, and say, okay, I'm going to put a time frame on this so that it, 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 it I'm going to get to it, but when it's the right time. And, and again, this doesn't mean people are saying, hey, don't go after your dream. This doesn't mean, hey, you know, stay, stay stagnant and status quo. This means how do you take something 
and put in benchmarks and mileposts to work towards it if it is going to be a longer time frame than maybe you would want it to be? Yeah, really good question and, and a challenging one. I think I'm, I've always believed that you need to run a sustainable pace in life for, for health purposes, for family purposes, for business, business sort of sustainability purposes. And so I think that's been sort of our mantra for many years is rec- And that's why I didn't pursue that because I knew it would become unsustainable. I had a friend, uh, won't mention his name on the podcast because he wouldn't appreciate it. But uh, years ago, he, he is a type A person and he was doing a business and his, his mantra was always, Craig, I'm going to be, I'm going to work my buns off. And he had a young family for the next five years so that I can be living the dream for the next 25 years. You know, you know, it's kind of like, I'm going to hustle, hustle, hustle. And we saw him and he, it was at the detriment of a lot of things, uh, of family time, uh, relationships, you know, uh, he ended up having a heart issue. Um, and so it was at the detriment of his health, but, but no, I'm going to hustle now so that I get, I live the dream here. And, and we've gone countercultural to that. Like, that's not, I mean, for us, it's like the lifestyle that we cultivated early on became more important than the entrepreneurial pursuits. And so the entrepreneur, I love being an entrepreneur and I love business. I love the creative, creative energies that it pulls out of me that nothing else I've done has done that, but I love the lifestyle more. So I I love, you know, I wouldn't want to go back to a regular job because it would change the way that I live. It would change the dynamic of not being able to work with my wife anymore, which I love to do, Uh, not being able to spend as much time with my kids as I do. And so, so for Kelly and I, it became, we want, we want to continue the lifestyle, but, but it has to be sustainable. If we start adding all these other business things on top of it, then the lifestyle that we carved out suddenly goes by the wayside. But to answer your question, I think, and we, we, we actually, you know, talk a lot about this with our freelancers because they are, some of them are busy parents, they have full-time jobs and they have a dream to work from home remotely, uh, or have a more flexible work life, be able to spend more time with their kids. That's a big story that we hear from a lot of why they join us. And, and for them, we, we talk about, you know, productivity strategies. We're saying, you know, a lot of them might say, I don't have a lot of time to start a business because of my life. And we will usually push back and say, well, how much time do you think you have? Let's talk about how much time you think you have. And let's, let's try to figure out how much time you actually have. And we've done this where, okay, we've spent some time mapping out your schedule. We've carved out about 10 hours that you could dedicate per week to the development of your freelance business. 10 hours, you could accomplish so much in 10 hours, but you have to be consistent about those 10 hours every single week, because if you were only working a one hour a week on your freelance business, you may start it when you're 73, but it's going to be a, a long sort of uh, on-ramp to launching that business. Uh, you know, we've talked to people about, you know, if you want it, you will need to sacrifice things like Netflix, or you will getting up a little bit earlier in the morning, or you, even when uh, years ago, Trav, I, we ran into, it was kind of during it, uh, our business is very tied to the U.S. economy. And so I think it was around 2012, I picked up another contract to kind of supplement our business. And, uh, and I had to go into the office. They, need, they wanted me actually to be in person for a period of time, which I didn't like at all. But every lunch hour, people would be going to the lunchroom and they'd be shooting the breeze. I was going to a coffee shop and working on the business, like every, almost every single lunch hour. And so, so much to the point that I was able to leave that contract really quickly. 
um, because I had figured a few things out, uh, filled a few holes that needed to be filled. And that happened usually in a one hour cycle every single day or at night as well. Mm. So, so you all might be busy and you may have busy lives, but you, I believe I'm living proof that you can carve out time, whether you have young kids, a busy job, uh, a busy travel life, wherever you are, you'll be able to carve out time if you actually want it, if you actually have a clear sort of why and vision for why you're doing it. Yeah. And the word that just rings in that whole sentiment is consistency. And if, if anyone has heard any quote from me, it's probably been, you know, one of my favorites that we underestimate, we overestimate what we can get done in a day and we underestimate what we can get done in a year. Right. And so people say, I don't have enough time. I only have five hours a week. And it's like, okay, we'll string 10 weeks of five hours together. And there's 50 hours. And 50 hours is going to get you a lot further down the road than you probably think. Not every hour you're going to walk away being like, I just set the world on fire. But over time, over 50 hours, you know, look back on yourself in a month, two months. You know, our program that we have right now is three months, right? There's a reason it's three months. Three months is certainly long enough for you to get stuff done and accomplished. But, you know, three months can also pass by like that and you have nothing done if you're not taking the action and dedicating the non-negotiable time to it. So I'm with you, Craig. It's like, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to go super fast in the beginning because, you know, it's probably not sustainable. If you say, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to start this side hustle and in a month I'm going to be replaced by income. It's like, mm, okay. I mean, there are very few people out there who could do it if they have really specialized skills, but for most people, that's not going to be sustainable. Right. Um, but in it, could you do it in a year? Yeah. Could you do it in a year and a half? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and that, you know, again, this is an impatient Trav trying to tell people to have patience. So do as <laughs> I say, not as I do, but I've seen it happen in my life, right. Where I just, oh my gosh, that seems so far in the future. That's such a big thing. How am I ever going to get there? And then, you know, within a year or three months or six months or a year, like massive strides have been taken and it's just by consistent effort over time, not by lots of effort and then no effort and then lots of effort and no effort um, usually doesn't, doesn't get it done. It's true. And we, and I, I often talk about expectation management, this idea that like you had said, you may have this idea that you're going to launch a full-time business in a month and, and you, and you recognize that that's that you need to realign your expectations and say, you know, my goals are going to start small and then grow from there. And, and like you said, small goals, uh, lead to big results. I mean, you, you little small baby steps that you take every day, they, the cumulative effect of that is businesses like yours and ours, you know, that, that we, you know, it was the accumulation of a series of small steps that led to something that was pretty special, uh, but you have to stick with it. Yeah. What do you, recommend is I'll kind of wrap this up with, with this, when we talk about seasons of life and this mm -hmm. idea that you've gone through a lot of seasons and, you know, you have, you had that season that was a failure, but it wasn't really a failure because it led to what you have. Right. And then you've yeah. had seasons with your kids and different businesses and bring on a team and then shrinking it down a team because you thought, because you came up with a different business model you're going to go to. Mm -hmm. If, if someone's looking at this just on a, again, a macro sense and like, all right, I want to enter a new season of life. And for most people who are listening to this, probably where you guys are at is that you, the new season is going to be in some way tied to not working a nine to five and, or taking a job that you have like a side house or something and making more to make this lifestyle sustainable, right? You mm -hmm. found our podcast because you want time, location and financial freedom. 
So one of the big weights to that is a lot of times a, a regular job, right? Usually that doesn't give you the time freedom you want, sometimes not the location freedom, maybe not even the financial freedom at, at, at points. So what type of advice would you give someone who's like, all right, I want to make a change. Like I want to enter a new season and the new season I that I want to enter is one like, like Craig, like you talk about being able to be there with my family, being able to travel or travel. We've heard your story. You, you know, you're able to be there with your kids and spend more time with them, maybe too much time, right? Um, you're able to travel when you want, right? So how does someone who wants that, but isn't there, like, what can they do to, to shift that season of life instead of sitting back and hoping it happens to them? Because we know what happens to people hope for it. It's, mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Great, great, great comment. It really isn't. Uh, I, I think it comes down to like, you have to have a clear plan. I know this sounds really like elementary, but at some point you need to have a, a, a vision and, and, and saying, you know, what is the reason I want to do this? Like, how will my life be better if I pursue this and I achieve this? Um, you know, I will maybe have more time with my family. Maybe I'll have a, a more untapped earning potential than maybe this ceiling that I'm hitting in my current job. Um, I mean, we can go on and on. And so, you know, for Kelly and I, again, our business was very much anchored by this big why, and a lot of it tied to our kids and to the lifestyle we wanted to have with them. And so, so if you want something, you, you ha- it has to be anchored to some sort of why. And then that's sort of like, that's more the aspirational side of it. And then there's the actionable side of it and saying, okay, what's my game plan? You know, how will I order my life in such a way that I have enough time uh, to complete all the action steps that I'm going to do? And the sort of the playbook that we always recommend for our students, and there are so many um, productivity books out there. There's books on how to uh, plan, but we love the 12-week year. If, if any of you know that right. book, I would pick it up, get it on Kindle. Um, but it it orders your life in 12-week cycles, which I love, especially owning an internet company. Change happens so rapidly, as you know, Trav. So trying to do sort of annual planning uh, is, is hard. So we love doing 12-week planning. And so it's kind of like, what goals am I going to accomplish over the next 12 weeks? And then what am I going to do every day and every week? Uh, in a consistent, calculated way, so that I hit those those twelve goal those those uh, goals in the in the end of the twelve weeks. So, so check that out. I mean, I could unpack that book more, but it provided the framework for us to say, you know, it, it, it provided the framework for us to get a lot more done because we were now we were doing annual planning in twelve week cycles, and we were hitting our targets. And then we were like, okay, now we're on to quarter two. Let's let's do this. But it had to come at a, we couldn't just be airy-fairy. We needed a plan. So, so I would say build your plan and then, and then put time blocks in your week for you to, to, to action your plan. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing that I would share. Well, this is a man who has taught with like personally and his company, thousands <laughs> of people to get to this lifestyle that, you know, all of ours is going to look different, but it's all usually wrapped around time location and financial freedom, right? There's the three points of that triangle and all of us are shooting for that. And you've taught thousands of people to do that and to to really go after it and to do it in a way that is sustainable. And I think that's the key. And I think that's where this 12 week year comes in. That's where this idea of planning comes in. It's like, you, if you have a plan, you can achieve anything. And again, yeah, sounds, oh, that's so cliche, but it's like, what have you done big in your life? 
And how, did you have a plan for it? I'm training for a triathlon. I never thought I would do that. Well, you better believe it's not tomorrow because if it was probably like not make it through the swim, um, you know, and you'd be out on a life raft coming to get me, but it's like, you have to, anything you've done that, that's bigger in your life has, has had a plan behind it. Even, even if during the moment, like you might not think it went according to plan, look back and say, well, here are the things that I did that, that pushed it there. So, um, throw that plan together and, and yeah, start dreaming about what you could do. Craig, uh, freelance you is where they should go to find you anything else that they should check out anything you want to point them to on your site. Cause you have a ton of different resources and, and, and places for people to go. What's the best place for someone to check out the start? Yeah, like for sure, we've got a blog and a podcast uh, that you'll see sort of prominently displayed on our on our main page. Uh, but if you're interested in sort of leveling up your skills, maybe as a freelancer or to sharpen your skills in areas such as digital marketing or online business management or copywriting, we've got a great university. You can go to freelanceu.com forward slash university. You'll see the university tab on our website. And we have a, a, a period of enrollments, uh, you know, I think it's usually January, May and September where you can jump in and uh, join a cohort of people that will probably be a lot like you, just excited about starting a side hustle, a part-time or a full-time business that gives them, like you said, time um, and flexibility and freedom. Awesome. Guys, also, if you're listening and you haven't checked out Location Indie is where to go. Uh, most of you probably know that already, but we love doing stuff with Freelance U. Uh, one of the people who works for us, you guys know Casey. What, she's the one who connected me with Craig. She's like Freelance U's biggest cheerleader. Yes. Um, so lots of awesome stuff going on over at Location Indie too. Hop on the email newsletter if you're, if you're not there so we can keep you abreast of all the stuff that we're doing and also all the stuff that our friends and partners uh, like Craig and, and his crew over at Freelance U are doing. Um, thank you, Craig, for popping in here for, again, selfishly, I was super excited to chat with you because I'm like, all right, I get to talk to someone who's been through the ring with five kids. Uh, all right, surely, surely I can make it through two, right? Um, and, and just really being able to build a business in the entrepreneurial journey um, in that season with kids on top as another season. Uh, yeah, you've certainly navigated those waters very successfully. So thanks for coming on and sharing your story. Thanks, Travin. And we couldn't have done it without coffee. I, I think that's the last if last principle, uh, drink coffee if, if you like it. <laughs> All right, I guess after 39 years, it's time to start. I, I, I should have said that at the beginning, man. I, I, I coffee earlier. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs>